back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We have kind of a, a little bit of a different episode for you guys today because it's been a while since we've done an MMO Weekly episode, and slowly we've been kind of looking back and, and showing you and catching you guys up on all these segments we would regularly do in an MMO Weekly. Uh, we've been kind of dedicating each one to their own episode, and that's what we're doing today. We have an entire Trailer Thoughts episode coming for you guys today, and it's proper on the heels of the DC fandom that just occurred this past weekend, so that's what all the headlines are dedicated to, so we figured why not start your week? This episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar is going to be all Trailer Thoughts. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. Yeah, I'm a little surprised you didn't go with the macho man Randy Savage voice uh, to start this one off because this is the DC Fandome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone's going with a dome, too. Like, DC Fandome. WWE just debuted something called Thunderdome. It, it, like, we just, it's all VR. Just call it virtual reality. We don't need to. Why are we going with the 1990s prime time or like the Saturday morning cartoon commercial block stuff? The domes aren't better for COVID, though. So, like, why is the dome is like what a uh, VR when you put on the VR? That's what it's called. Is that it? Yeah, it's basically just it's a bubble, except they don't want to call it a bubble because there's no marketing. Uh, there's no advertising dollars in a bubble. So they call it a dome because that's where the action happens in the Thunder Dome. See, you're right. It does lend itself easily to a Macho Man voice. Then again, they weren't lying because we got some action packed trailers here. I was thrilled to have my Saturday interrupted constantly by one after another and uh, some surprises at the end of the night that we'll start with. It was nice to take a break from my uh, friends who were losing money on gambling. Uh, anyway, all right, yes, we're going to talk about trailers all this episode uh, and with DC Fandom, obviously... They had a couple premiere trailers, a couple big-name trailers that caught, caught film Twitter all up in a roar. We will start with arguably the biggest. If it's not Wonder Woman 84, it is the Batman, so we'll start with the Batman teaser trailer, Michael. Yeah, I just saw on Twitter, and it made me laugh. The boy with the dragon, or the Batman tattoo, rather. Uh, I thought that was very clever because uh, the same eye black there and the Ro Rooney Mara kind of thing going on. But we got, you know, a lot of emo or the OG of emo. The trailer song here was Something in the Way by Nirvana. We've almost hit the tipping point here with the redone songs that were once popular setting the stage for a dramatic trailer. Like this one fit and I'm fine with this one, mm -hmm. but there's another trailer coming up in this episode <laughs> we'll talk about that I think is officially the tipping point for this trope. I, I think the trope has got to be done. Like we we built this trope up, and now right. we have to smash it down. <laughs> we have like to a kill Zach, our own our own creation. Yeah, like a Zack Snyder movie with way too much collateral damage <laughs> that needs to die. Mike, we got creepy duct tape opening up this trailer in an audio sense. That's before the song. I mean, we get this serial killer seven-ish opening with the Riddler. Uh, who was killed there? Was it the DA? Was it uh, the gangster Falcone? And uh, we get this uh, letter that's addressed to Batman with this just the creepiest handwriting and the voiceover saying, from your secret friend, from Jeffrey Wright, Commissioner Gordon there, who haven't a clue, let's play a game, just me and you. Yeah, super creative. And clearly, I, I, I don't know about anyone else's expectations, but that's not the tone. I didn't think we were going this gritty this far off the bat. I thought there might be like an eased introduction, but uh, Matt Reeves kind of 
set the stage well, I think, and I'll talk about what he said in a little bit, but I love the duct tape opening. I thought it was super creative. We talked about wrestling a little earlier on. In the wrestling eras, was there one era that was kind of like grosser, getting edgier, right? And then the other era went over and above and beyond that. Did that exist? The Attitude Era was like the the extreme. It was like mm-hmm. tits and ass and blood and gut. Yeah, that's pretty much. But there wasn't uh, an era after that that was all vaginas and actual no. murder. <laughs> no, not not yet. But I mean, the ratings have been in decline, so who knows? Well, anyway, in terms of the tone of you know Nolan's Batman, like this is almost darker than that, and I'm. A little worried. I'll talk about a red flag in a minute, but we do have some cool visuals. We got the duct taped head of the serial murder. We get Zoe Kravitz committing cat burglaries. We get this hell of a line from Paul Dano, I'm guessing. If you're justice, please don't lie. What is the price of your blind eye? The Riddler dropping bars, spitting lyrics here. I thought the elevated dialogue from him really worked. I don't love that he's kind of giving speeches otherwise elsewhere. I hope he's not a Bane-type character and a Joker, and they're kind yeah. of fusing those. I'm a little worried in that sense, but I, I like the, the, the riddles. So did I. I. I'm very excited and hyped up for the Riddler just in general and pa- Paul Dano's portrayal. And if you didn't see the fandom live, Matt Reeves, like I said, he was interviewed by Aisha Tyler, and he said all the right things. And I think it would make any WB exec swoon when you hear this guy talk about the passion and like, the genuine fanhood and fan of the franchise that he is. Right. And he talked about, I mean, there was excitement in his voice about building the whole world of Gotham from the ground up and taking great care while honoring the legacy of all the bad men who have come before so i guess in that respect it's it's not that much of a surprise to see the inspirations of bane and the joker weave their way into matt reeves's bad guy because he has been such a student of this property throughout his entire life speaking about dano's portrayal just specifically though i think this is a huge moment for the riddler character because we've really only had one live on-screen version of the Riddler in a Batman movie, I think, and that was Jim Carrey's portrayal, and he was played far more for gags and, like, hackneyed jokes than anything serious and gritty like this is. But the Riddler, the character itself in the comics, could I, I think there's enough evil there that could definitely lend itself to being this legendary movie bad guy for years to come. And with Dano's talent and Matt Reeves' direction, when you hear how excited Reeves is and being able to craft this thing from scratch, I think there's a a, a huge reason for optimism about the Riddler. How dare you, Michael, first of all, because Frank Gorshin uh, played the Riddler in 1966's Batman, but... No, he was also I was speaking played... to millennials, not not cinephiles. I'm sorry. He was also played for laughs and all the things you just said. So You're it right. doesn't really count as being something different. If anything, Carrie kind of copied him a little bit. Uh, he was more Joker than the Joker, which was a line yeah. from uh, that review of ours. Uh, in terms of Reeves, you know, he's got the big budget blockbuster capabilities. He handled the last two Planet of the Apes movies. So I think there's a lot of confidence in him. He also handled some smaller films that uh, did really well at the box office, like Cloverfield and Let Me In. I don't know if Let, Let Me, Me In, in was, a, but that was, was a good movie. Eric Weber, who we just talked to on our last episode, the mid-year Oscars report, that Oscar race checkpoint we did, he tweeted about Let Me In today. And he, he said anyone who had seen Let Me In should know Matt Reeves was capable of handling 
handling this Fincher-esque tone, and he's a thousand percent right, and it's it's a comparison that I'm upset I didn't think of first, but I mean, he, Let Me In was great for anyone who's seen it, and it's almost exactly this type of tone that I feel like he's going for, the, for with the Batman. One of the rare, you know, uh, international films made into an American film remakes that it might be better than yeah, the Yeah, that, that at least held up, right? Yeah. Anyway, Michael, we got Andy Serkis as Alfred. He gets some voiceover work here. Why is he writing to you, which is intriguing as all hell. I'm wondering if he's going to be a buff Alfred, like if he's going to be a jacked up, you know, bat-flecked Alf- Alfred in this. I'm hoping not. I hope. He I want him to be Gollum. Gollum as Alfred. Can he be Gollum as Alfred? <laughs> That's so bizarre. you got to be British as Alfred. <laughs> you got to be mannered. And then you got to be badass in your own... It's tea time, you precious master. <laughs> That's terrible. I'm Michael, sorry to everybody. <laughs> the internet went wild, though, after this trailer came out. Because that Tom Wilkinson-looking old guy was actually Colin Farrell, apparently. Couldn't believe it. In Churchill makeup. In I Darkest Hour makeup. What the I hell? didn't know it until I was reading your notes, by the way. I had no idea that was supposed to be Colin Farrell or the Penguin on that one shot. But yeah, he looks, I mean, it's like Tom Wilkinson with some Tom Hardy infused there. You said Richard Kind, I think, which is exactly who he looks like. <laughs> Richard Kind is one of the funnier actors of his generation <laughs> by just being the your everybody's best friend's dad i my best friend's dad growing up was richard kind yes the same person <laughs> and i i can't believe he's gonna turn into walking bird a bird that can't fly in this so it's gonna be very bizarre to me look i mean the big moment of this trailer i think that sets the tone though is that batman seemingly doesn't have one rule or one law i mean he beats the living f out of that guy looks like he beats him to death i mean the ref would have called it out on the feet if this was the (laughs) ufc i mean he knocked that guy down that guy was out for the count the ref would have gotten in between him but then he takes two more shots two kill shots what the hell yeah um (laughs) so college humor a couple years ago did a, a batman parody series called bad man where Pete Holmes was Bruce Wayne and and Batman. And they had one episode where uh, Copplepot, the Penguin, was played by Patton Oswalt. And Patton Oswalt had to explain to Batman that he was actually killing people and he wasn't just putting them to sleep. And so he was just breaking his own rule. That's exactly what I thought of when I saw that. Because it gets a bit much you're right like you don't see you don't see the bad guy in screen you just see batman punching down and he's i mean he's punching for a while (laughs) it's a lot of punching and that's probably a lot of face caving in unfortunately (laughs) Uh, though this trailer i I don't want to set the wrong tone here because this trailer was really cool i am not a car guy michael and that batmobile looks so darn awesome I know you're not supposed to say darned and awesome next to each other, but the rocket boosters, the souped up muscle car version of the Batmobile, holy shnikes. Yeah, he was one of the things that Reeves was absolutely gushing over was, I can't believe I get to create my own Batmobile when he was talking about prior to, to showing the teaser in itself. So, again, it's just a guy you could see that takes great pride in every aspect of Gotham and the Bat world building. 
So I wanted to talk about the tone, and I think it's going same but different with the Nolan films, and it's kind of like me forgetting the Affleck movies ever existed, which is probably fair at this point. But Which, which is fine if that's the direction they were going, but it's, it is and it isn't, and we'll talk about it as this episode goes on. I do wonder if they're going to scare some kids away, because this is like the setup for an Alex Cross mystery. I mean, you have a serial murderer that is kind of almost reenacting actual serial or actual murders in our culture over mm. the years with uh you know like a Mr. Mercedes thing going on in, in the Gotham Square you got the opening where somebody of importance dies I mean if Riddler is full-blown serial killer on the loose I'm wondering if kids are not going to go to this the same way the Nolan films did and I'm wondering if you have a PG-13 movie going this dark if you're going to have issues Number one, roping in all the moralism of a Nolan film because it seems like it's going in that direction. I mean, sure. Nolan, to a fault, is preaching. It's a didactic, those those, those Dark Knight movies. Right. And and he pulls it off because he just sticks to it. But I'm wondering if, if you know, if you're trying to, you know, rationalize a serial murderer and what he's doing in a PG-13 movie, it's probably not the best place to do it. You probably should just have that imperative to stop the maniac, which is what most movies do, and not to delve into the whys of it. But, I mean, it's a hell of a risk. I think it's a legitimate concern. Uh, I also am not sure, in the way that Reeves framed his Batman, that Batman's going to be the good guy in this, or at least going to start off as the good guy in and I know one of the things we talk about, one of the concerns we have is, wait a minute, there's way too many characters. He runs the risk of overstuffing this movie with so many bad guys, and we're introducing too many people, and is this going to go the way of the Justice League? I have a theory that I wouldn't be surprised if Batman starts in the middle, and Catwoman is actually the good guy, because the way Reeves talked about his Batman was... Look, he's not confirmed to be real by the citizens of Gotham yet. He's still just pretty much a rumor. He's a mystery. So hmm. he's not officially on the side of law enforcement and officially on the side of good. So he, it's still that whole... It's like in the Nolan film when they had to make Batman be a vigilante. That right. doesn't seem to be the case this time. They it seems like he's going to be a vigilante before he becomes on the side of good or on the side of law enforcement or however you want to talk about that. Yeah, they spent a whole movie where Liam Neeson explained to him why he, why he needs to become a vigilante, right. why he needs the costume, why he needs the symbol to fight crime, and it worked. This Batman, this Battinson, Mike, he might just be a little crazy, which is yeah. great because I think you need Batman to be a little scary, a little unhinged, for lack of a better term, this weekend. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all in for it, and it, it did enough to... Look, it was just a teaser, right? But mm -hmm. you could hurt your, your film more with a teaser, and I think you could help it a lot. This did help it, and it does at least separate itself as its own independent, standalone Batman property, but it just didn't hurt Matt Reeves' Batman vision in any way, and I think that's what's most important here. Uh, Reeves also went on to say that as far as the fighting goes and as far as everything else, the film's only 25% shot so far, which was a little bit surprising to me considering how much choreography they showed in this teaser already, so okay. it seems like they, they concentrated on the choreography scenes first, the big fight scenes first, because there is a fair amount of it in this teaser uh but yeah there's i'm with you there's a lot of reasons for optimism and intrigue which usually go hand in hand but don't, don't always go hand in hand i think in this case they do I just want Richard Kind to keep his voice when he plays the Penguin. I think that's just fitting. You just leave it. So, what do we? Th you're a fan of Battinson overall, right? Oh, totally. I think uh, I think he's got to have that edge to him, and he doesn't have 
the say to me or whatever that uh, <laughs> what is, I forget I'm forgetting the lines of the Dark Knight say it to me he yeah doesn't I have that voice <laughs> so here's here's what we can't do on film Twitter okay mm, we lie. can't all take can't no lie. Oh. Well, we can't take victory laps. You you can't go out there and say, I can't wait to show everyone how right I was with Robert Pattinson being a good Batman. Like, anybody who follows films at all has been saying Robert Pattinson is going to be a good Batman. The only people that have said he's not going to be good are the Fairweather movie fans who only know him from the Twilight movies, right? All like, right. anybody who knows film knows Robert Pattinson is capable of being... So you can't go out there and, I was right. I called it. You know, relax. We all did. Mike, look, I don't want to burst your bubble here, or your dome, excuse me. <laughs> but I think 75% of Twitter traffic, and this is not just film Twitter, is loving to say I told you so. Yes, that's basically that's, what that's, Twitter yeah. is. That's the origin of Twitter. You're absolutely, and social media in general. You're asking You're them not right. to do what they were read... <laughs> And, and made to do. I was born in the conceitedness. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work. That's all. I'm <laughs> all right. So that wasn't the only headline trailer that was debuted in this fan dome. We also had the third look and probably final look. I, I don't know of Wonder Woman 1984, Michael. All right. So I have loved everything about this marketing campaign thus far. I love the first trailer. And I got to start with the negative first because I've loved everything with the exception of the cheetah reveal. It just oh, looked God. like it just looked like CGI'd hated generic it. cheetah person. I hate it. It reminded me of the dark side reveal in Batman v Superman or whoever that bad guy was. If it wasn't dark side, I apologize. I tried to block that movie off of my memory. But why, why does DC have this bad guy problem i mean in marvel we talk about the mcu having a villain problem in terms of the constitution of the villain dc why do their effects have these issues with their bad guy reveals it's not the first time this has happened and i'm with you it totally took me out of the trailer they do so well with the wonder woman effects with the lasso right with the bright lights of that right. i mean it's pristine it's glorious i'm gonna get into it but here like Maybe Patty Jenkins is not a horror person, and they should have made Cheetah scary, like an American werewolf in London, show her change slowly and grossly. I mean, let's be honest, Hellboy, the new Hellboy was awful, but it was kind of cool when that dude changed it to a werewolf person. I mean, Mike, we have seen anamorphic humans in, like, every other action horror movie that's been a franchise, correct? So, if you're... Going to end in generic with just having a CG cheetah person. I mean, that's anticlimactic for your big reveal. What are you doing? Or just keep her as Kristen Wiig. Like, the effects look great when it was just Kristen Wiig wearing cheetah print in that lobby scene, flying around with superpowers. It looked fine. It looked absolutely believable. I want Kristen Wiig who's perfectly insane in this movie to think she's a cheetah, but not actually be a cheetah because yeah. that would be funny. That'd and be it fine. Would fit with the DC universe, having these failed comedians. Uh, I'm with you. I, I, I was very, very let down and I'm like you, the first two looks at this movie, there was a lot of reason for optimism and hype. And I was very excited. And I liked everything about it. I like the idea of Kristen Wiig being an unhinged bad guy, but all I saw with that fight scene between wonder woman and the cheetah was just uh, soundstage somewhere in Hollywood with a green screen, man. Yeah, it doesn't work. But I do like the characterization involved. You have Diana and Barbara in scenes together previously, Kristen Wiig and 
Gal Gadot there, and they know each other. So that's cool. I like the storytelling involved there. The line, oh, Barbara, what did you do? I thought that was an excellent line there. It's the only thing that kept me from just, like, yelling at the screen at that moment. Now, I do want to talk about more positives, though, because... The rest of these spectacles just drop your jaw. I mean, Mm -hmm. that flashback to the Amazon Olympics with the girl, who's obviously the Superman girl, Superwoman girl there, Mm -hmm. uh, competing with all of the other Amazons. I mean, it's phenomenal. (laughs) And you just got to jump whatever that thing was. Oh, my God, the big golden thing. The truck chase. Holy Christ. We see more from the truck chase. We see more from the White House fight. And my God, the lasso swinging from lightning bolt to lightning bolt is probably the coolest thing I've ever seen. It looked, but that's part of my frustration with this is they're so effects reliant and everything they do looks great except for the reveal of the one of the main bad guys at least not the main bad guy because we still have no idea what pedro pascal is doing except that we know he's going to be a bad guy but i was so disheartened because in part of that reason everything does look so awesome everywhere else i mean that scene where her and chris pine are in their their jet or whatever and the fireworks are going off and reflecting off the the hood of the jet and it just looks so spectacular and so real they uh, perfected the art of fur with Ratatouille in Pixar. <laughs> they perfected the lasso immediately with Wonder Woman. I am so impressed with this these lasso effects. So, I, yeah, I mean, they're, they're really getting a lot of these VFX right to the point where I'm just saying, of course they should be nominated, right? And then you get Cheetah Lady. Well, you just had Gal Gadot wrestling with a stuffed animal instead. Like that would have been a better pair. I, I am intrigued that we know nothing about Pedro Pascal, or at least we've we've been told nothing and shown nothing yet. And right. I think he's going to play a huge role in this. So uh, I, there's enough to draw me to the box office for it still. And I'm a huge fan of Diana and Steve. They got great chemistry from the first movie. Yep. I don't care how they rope it into this plot. <laughs> so, I, you know, again, I'm just I'm hoping they figure out the Kristen Wiig stuff. I think the full story might be better than the highlights. And if you're going to take an SNL comedian and not do something funny with her, uh, at least something tragically funny like like the Joker, like the Riddler, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's just fair game. It's a game. It's obvious. I mean, it's it's what movie studios do. They give us the same thing but slightly different forever. Mm-hmm. And we have Kristen Wiig here not being the least bit funny. What are we doing? Yeah, um, I, I have hope that, you know, Patty Jenkins is a great director and, and there's good screenwriters attached to this. I have hope they are just hiding that and not giving everything away in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I... I I hope that's true. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Black Adam, we had not a full reveal trailer, but we had a concept trailer put forth that we kind of had our first look of the rock in the Black Adam suit, maybe, kind of? So I know nothing about the source material beyond the first Shazam movie, but uh, we did get connections to that. I like that Black Adam seems to be this empowered god who then, like, you know, is corrupted he abuses his power and needs to be locked up i think that's a great twist that not enough superhero movies you know do yeah it's it's kind of the story of the god of war video game franchise i mean it's not exactly the same obviously but i think any fans of that should be pulled in and drawn in with that and it seems to have the same kind of ass kickingness attached to it and part of the fandom experience was the reveal that shazam 2 is going to be due out at the end of 2022 
This movie was announced to be coming out in December of 2021. I thought they would do Shazam 2, and Shazam 2 would end with the introduction of the Black Adam character, and that would lead to a Black Adam spinoff. That's not to be the case. We're going to get the Black Adam movie first, and there's questions as to whether or not he will make a reveal at all, or maybe he'll be the big bad guy in Shazam 2. We don't know. Uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting. DC's been so bizarre. Like, they'll have... They'll have ripe conflict for these movies that you, everybody thinks should happen. This this big right. showdown, and then they'll split it off into two separate films because we gotta milk it for every dollar, right? <laughs> and then we'll put seven hundred and thirty-seven of the other characters yeah. that we have all into one movie. So I don't know. This this is a little strange to me, but I think you got a traumatic upbringing for The Rock. Uh, as Black Adam there, so you get some reasons on why he, he turns bad. I, I need to see a villain, like, because if you're going to have an anti-hero, then the, the villain has to be worse than that anti-hero. Uh, I don't know where Noah Centineo fits in, but I'm hoping, and this is this is evil. I'm just being evil here. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping he gets his shazam ass kicked by The Rock <laughs> at the end of the movie, and then we get the showdown with the actual Shazam. So you're just bitter about Noah Centineo being a good-looking man, and you want to see him done away with? Is that jealousy rearing its ugly head? <laughs> can you imagine if The Rock just literally breaks him in half, and then the movie ends? I am all for The Rock breaking anybody in half, whether on screen or in real life. I've invested far too much in my relationship with him over the years to not be. So, yes, I'm all for it. Break Noah Centineo in half. Crush the dreams of little teenage girls everywhere, please. Rock bottom <laughs> through to hell. <laughs> I have actually the most faith in this movie out of any of the WB lineup, which I think is saying a lot. And yeah, I'm biased towards The Rock, but I have faith in Matt Reeves because of how he's talked about it. I have faith in another WB property we're going to talk about in a minute, but I have more faith in this one delivering the goods than either even something like Wonder Woman or certainly more so than the next film we're going to talk about. Solely because The Rock's management team has been A+. His entire run in movies and as a movie star, and he's one of the last bankable action stars we have left that can do stuff outside of a comic book world. So I I just I I fail to see that they would allow him to be on this giant stage, arguably the biggest of his career. And that's when they're going to have their first misstep and fumble. I can't imagine they'd let him be attached to a movie that doesn't have a clear vision and doesn't have a clear direction and isn't going to be at least solid and watchable at the end of the day. I don't understand how the MCU didn't bring in The Rock, especially living in this post-Avengers MCU world we're living in now where they are are lacking all the star power that they've built up over the years. Here's a guy that can carry action movies on his own shoulders as he's proven time and time again in various markets, not just domestically, but overseas as well. And you're kind of starved for star power in the MCU. Yes, the MCU literally makes their own stars, so we shouldn't worry too much about that, but this guy could have brought eyes just by his presence i don't know how dc ended up with him and then the mcu didn't if the rock was willing to do a comic book movie well he he doesn't need a costume which is right right he could just be and then his silhouette basically sold this movie for all of us in, yeah. in this trailer so that was cool and then they obviously did the cartoon fantasy born i mean this is like bravos level game of thrones stuff and you still liked it somehow so you are a hypocrite sir i just want you to know <laughs> you are an enemy of all of us sci-fi and fantasy guys and and you love this because you got your wrestler in there yeah okay yeah that's right <laughs> sue me 
So if the Undertaker is in Lord of the Rings, you'll watch it. <laughs> For many reasons. Isn't he retired? He could For many, there. many reasons, yes, I would watch the Undertaker in Lord of the Rings. All right, very good. A wrestling-themed episode today. For <laughs> Let's talk about the long-awaited first look of Justice League, the Snyder Cut. And before we talk about anything having to do with the trailer, I will say, now we've reached the tipping point with the former popular songs being remade and slowed down to introduce a dramatic... Is this godforsaken car crash remake (laughs) really only conveying its proper emotion if we have some Morrissey-esque downtrodden version of Hallelujah playing over? Like, what are we doing with this song opening this trailer? Uh, it, it really bothered me. Oh. It's, it's too long. It's it's the wrong music, without question, just to make an overt on-the-nose statement. Right. You know, like every Zack Snyder scene. <laughs> Never mind movie. Uh, even still, Michael, I'm not as down on this as you. I said it from the beginning. If you're going to do fan service for X amount of million dollars or XX, if it's in double digits, which it probably is, <laughs> HBO Max, if they're game, I get it. Fine. Give the people what they want. It can't be as bad as as the original. And as visual directors go, Zack Snyder is one of the very best. Some mm-hmm. of these compositions are gorgeous, and I yep. don't remember them from the first film. My issue with Zack Snyder is becoming like the same issue I had with Michael Bay, you know, back in the late 90s, I guess, right? Because Michael Bay started out making good movies that he didn't write. And right. Zack Snyder kind of, you know, rested on some really good source material. Watchmen's great source material. 300 mm-hmm. is one hell of a story. And I would even say Man of Steel had its moments. I, I was middling on that film. Probably C plus B minus for me. I thought that was solid. Mm-hmm. Then all the collateral damage. But Michael, Ridley Scott is another one of these kind of directors. He knows what he doesn't know. I just wish Zack Snyder, you know, worked off of somebody else's scripts. I, I think that's a fair criticism, and we we know how much Zack Snyder likes to be criticized. But he's adapting, like, the sprawling source material for this thing. Because it's basically, it's like all of the comics that he's adapting, and maybe he'll focus on one story, but he'll pull in all of the other visuals he likes from all, all of the other stories. It's a serialized TV series. It's a serialized, you know, comic series. Dark sides in it. This big bad. Oh my God! What are, what are they doing? And then what winds up in the film were those witch made tree people, robots, <laughs> aliens, whatever the hell those were. I've seen the movie once, and it wasn't as bad as I feared after Batman v Superman. But I mean, I think Dark Side fits more here. Like Thanos worked in the Avengers. If yeah. you're not going to go the Suicide Squad or the Legion of Doom facing off with the Justice League, you kind of need that. You need a good villains. I agree with everything you said. I also have no problem with HBO putting money into this on its face. Yeah, on its face. I have a problem with them pouring money into an already done property that, you know, instead of going to new filmmakers, but we've talked about that previously, so that's not what we're talking about here. So, yeah, I understand uh, getting a dollar out of this and having it be a vehicle for new subscribers. That's fine. I wonder if the fans kind of did this to themselves, though, because we've... Well, I'm, I'm, like, I say that half-jokingly, but half-serious. We've talked about here how there's a a very toxic uh, segment of the Snyder Cut 
of people, this posse that's out there that they'll shout down, and I've seen it firsthand on social media. I've seen people just be mean and just rude and contemptuous towards others that dare say an ill word about the Snyder Cut. And so we get this first look at this trailer, and to me... Yes, there's new aspects, but it looks exactly the same to me. And Justice League is another one. I've tried to block it out of my memory, but this this just looks like the same movie with the same looks and the same issues that are going to arise, except that there's going to be two hours more of it. You'd and I to... wonder if, there's, if the Snyder Cut crew kind of did this to themselves. Yeah, you'd have to pay me to rewatch Justice League to compare these new right. visuals. But I haven't seen these visuals in a while, and several of them are striking. When Darkseid, you know, <laughs> it's true, gonna, it's true, going to hammer whatever he's hammering there, and if uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and you got Superman caught in the mist or whatever he's caught in, then you got uh, Gal Gadot just doing anything. She's striking. I, I'm I'm in for that kind of thing. Am I in for four hours? No, I think like the perfect. The perfect place for Justice League and this movie is in a 30-second teaser. That's the perfect place. That's where Justice League, the Snyder Cut, is at its very best, in my opinion. Yeah, I I tend to agree. And with any other song other than whatever the fuck this Hallelujah Mute it, and it's at its very, (laughs) very best. Mute it, cut it down to one-fourth of what it is. Uh, on a bright side, and something that a lot of people were very, very fond of, we had a making of and a roll call trailer for James Gunn's Suicide Squad remake? Question mark. I wonder if this is like too much ice cream. Is it too much ice cream? Because I love ice cream. Is it too many burgers? Is it too much of what I want? Because I love Nathan Fillion, but he's like cast member numbers, right. you know, forty-four. In that roll call. I love Michael Rooker. I, I love Peter Capaldi from In the Loop. He's hilarious. Uh, he, one of the more underrated comedians in the in the history of British television and cinema. But you you got enough star power leading this thing in Margot Robbie, Viola Davis, Idris Elba, hell, Pete Davidson. Who the heck is going to be the Taika Waititi character? We don't even know. John Cena. You got another wrestler in here, so you'll see this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All I want, and I tweeted this, all I want out of this production is for Pete Davidson and John Cena to become lifelong friends, like BFFs. That's what I want. That would make me happy. So uh, you're fully in the Pete Davidson camp now (laughs) after he made two good movies when we had a movie desert, no good movies. Yes. And and the way your grudges work is you'll hate somebody forever if they make a horse movie at the wrong time. (laughs) But you'll love them forever if they make a movie about arrested development and adulthood that doesn't really go, you know, swimmingly until, you know, more drugs are consumed. I'm a simple man, Mike. I like what I like. Well, I think James Gunn being behind this film, it's in his wheelhouse after the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Some of these costumes are ridiculous. They're Watchmen-level hokey, but the same way that they played in with Watchmen, I think Gunn is playing a lot of these characters for just straight-up laughs. And that's, they have the right tone for this. Like, yeah, all your fears are very well-founded. If this were the Batman, right, right, and we were getting those, all these characters for the first time in this gritty-esque, serious drama, I think, yeah, we'd totally be in trouble, and we know it. This seems far more lighthearted and goofy. It seems almost like a video game to me. Mm -hmm. So 
I wonder if we're getting to like this era of comic book movies where we're getting like the New Year's Eve slash Valentine's Day of comic book movies and we're getting a running anthology ensemble, just get as many big names at the forefront as possible, create future potential franchises and spinoffs with them, have them be in their one or two scenes and they're out. So did New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day kill rom-coms at the box office to the point where they had to go to Netflix? Oh, interesting. That'd be an interesting case study. Back. We got to look back at that because I'm I'm worried now that there's just too many characters in this movie and comic book movies are going to suffer for it. I don't think that's happening because that's just a runaway train at this point. But I, I think that I got tired in the roll call. I, I was yeah. exhausted like mid roll call. For like, good oh, reason. Nathan Fillion 2. I should, I should be excited about that and I'm not. And you run the risk... Uh, of heightening expectations just anytime you announce a star. Like, if in Deadpool 2, before Deadpool 2 came out, and this mm-hmm. is a bit of a spoiler, but before Deadpool 2 came out, if somebody said Brad Pitt's in this, <laughs> it wouldn't have been the payoff that it was when we see Brad Pitt in Deadpool 2. You know sort what I mean? Of. Right. I mean, I, I think people might have had their expectations be too high. So, yeah, there's always that worry. I think that's a well-founded worry. I think James Gunn has done nothing but inspire reasons to be optimistic about what he can do. So I'm I'm certainly going to see this one, and I'm very excited to see it. I have a bigger concern about WB and DC in general, though, because we have Margot Robbie in this one, right? And we have Margot Robbie playing Harley Quinn again in this Suicide Squad movie. Do you think DC slash WB has a plan right now? Or do you think they're just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what fits? Because they've said they aren't in the business of cinematic universes being connected. But we're getting now, like I said, our third film featuring the same Harley Quinn, except it's a redo kind of of our property already made once before. And we're getting a gritty Fincher-esque Batman, except there's also going to be every Bruce Wayne ever in the Flash movie, which is loaded with its own issues right now. But... As for those Bruce Waynes, none of them can possibly be tied into the WBDC's highest grossing property and the Joker, which may itself be a standalone movie anyway, but also had a Bruce Wayne. Like, individually, I'm excited on different levels for all of these movies, but we're getting to a point with the DC properties where neither explanation is holding water for me, and it's getting a little confusing. You can't both say each picture is its own standalone property or we're building a cinematic universe because it doesn't worry. And I, I'm worried about how they're going to make sense of all these different movies that have these overlaps. I think they're looking at it as, you know what? That's a good problem to have. If we get that problem where we have to see you this thing, then we'll be happy to deal with it then. As of this moment at the WBDC headquarters, they're basically saying, let's have a hit movie. We can't handle tent poles that just bomb mm. at the box office where we lose huge amounts of money. We can't have that. So we need to assure that these movies do well. So whatever it takes, we're all hands on deck from the jump and we'll go from there. That's what I think. Just get me my Harley Quinn versus Wonder Woman movie. That's all I want out of any of this. I don't think that's happening anytime soon because I, I don't think they'll, either. they'll do five Harley Quinn movies if that, that does well on VOD or if that did well during the pandemic as I know it did, didn't make enough money probably in theaters and Wonder Woman they're not going to mess with it they'll leave Wonder Woman uh, on her own billion dollar track billion but, dollars billion but you dollars can see again that. and again 
you could see that being a problem, right? Because so the next the next Harley Quinn movie, uh, do they just the next movie she's in? So are they just not acknowledging that she formed this team that she did in Birds of Prey? Are those characters no longer existing? Or is she going to be able to reference them? Is she going to is she still somebody that's separated from Jared Leto's Joker? Or is she is that just a completely different track now? Like uh, it's just for me. And this is a me problem, maybe, and maybe other people don't don't share this concern. But it's just I like a clear lineage. I like a backstory. I like feeling like I'm investing my time in this world building. What I want to have happen is that uh, when they do the Penguin spinoff movie, and <laughs> they just can't get Colin Farrell to do it because he's difficult, they just put Richard Kind in there. <laughs> That's what and I he's want. just his character from Spin City from back in the day. <laughs> Absolutely, eating pastrami, please, Michael. We have a Tenant trailer, the final Tenant trailer. That Travis Scott song is hot, man. And yeah. I'm not a big Travis Scott guy, but that song is hot. <laughs> The music in this trailer was awesome. Yeah. It, look, is this going to be the best Bond movie of the year? <sighs> can I take the Can I take the cheap way out and say I think No Time to Die gets moved to 2021? So yes. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, there's a lot of questions in this trailer in particular. Like, how does one get the rewind button powers? <laughs> when do they happen? When do they not happen? Is someone literally hitting a rewind button? Is it all Clements Pose? <laughs> what is going on there? I need th- I need to know that. I think my big fear, though, is that they're going to take the first hour of the movie to explain just that, and the second hour half of the movie is going to be a Bond movie. If this does, and, and you hit on this, and it's true from reviews we've seen. The reviews have been, look, this is a fine action movie. The, the story gets a bit convoluted unnecessarily when trying to explain what the hell's going on. It doesn't seem like this time travel thing is what should be at the center of this. Hmm. I still have faith in Nolan and how can you not? Right. And also, I, I don't think it matters, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like any other would, I would say it, it, it would matter that the, the story is kind of lacking and, and the time travel thing takes too long to explain or whatever the case may be that we've seen from these reviews. But America right now, it reminds me, as far as its, its theater consumption and its thirst for cinema, it reminds me of where the Chinese market was uh, not so long ago when it comes to American blockbusters. Just put something on a big screen. Are there tons of effects that look realistic enough? Is it pretty? And will I marvel at what I'm seeing? And just because we're off this six-month drought of anything in, in theaters, right. I think this is a rare instance where we're just, the story could be secondary. Just, I'm in a theater, I'm happy, and I'm looking at something that's absolutely fantastic to watch on screen, and that's what matters more than anything else. And if the the pre-sale tickets are anything to go by, I don't think people much care whether or not the movie's all that good, even though the reviews have said the movie is quite good. We've done nothing but watch you know, older movies and, and newer, smaller movies since quarantine started, right? And mm-hmm. these are the best visuals. These these slew of trailers, the very best right. visuals we've seen in like eight months. So I right. totally agree with you there. And yeah, if Tenant's fallback position is that it's a great action movie, so be it. We're going right. to be happy. I think either way, if it does well at the box office, whether or not it's an Oscars movie, it should be given an Oscar. And whether you want to make a special category for it or you know, give it a, an honorary Oscar, I think it deserves some kind of credit, especially with what we know Nolan's been doing behind the scenes to push this thing getting back into theaters as soon as it possibly can. Now, I bought my tickets, and I know you're planning to go. Are we wearing hazmat suits? Like, I'm going to have to. <laughs> like uh, Walt and Jesse? Are we going to ham it up that much? 
Are we are we going to immediately regret that decision when we walk into the mall to see this movie <laughs> and we're the only two people in hazmat suits? I'll tell you, not only am I going to wear a hazmat suit, but to really honor the tradition, I'm going to be on high on meth as well. Well, uh, I, I, they didn't take meth on that show. I know. Well, maybe Jesse did. <laughs> you make weird jokes, Mike. I think that uh, I think that that's a photo op. I just think our fans might turn against us if we did as much. Well, so I'm, I'm speaking it into existence right now, trying to like float it out there and see if the fans give us a, us a backlash. I can tell you right now, there's a zero percent chance of me showing up at a mall movie theater. <laughs> It's right. not happening. I'm going to go, if this isn't my podunk thing, or this isn't one of my nearby theaters, I'm going to go in the middle of the day when I think traffic is least and just going to try to stay the hell away from everybody and get this one in. You could lick every seat, and it'll just be 1989 germs. It won't be any COVID. <laughs> Nobody's been there. Is this the war on drugs? Is that what I'm tasting right now? Is Mike, this Reaganomics? <laughs> on the rocks. <laughs> On the Rocks is coming out in October 2020 to Apple TV+. Plus. We got our first trailer. Give Bill Murray a nomination for this, right? <laughs> he's he's good. I mean, if you want an anti-mentor, he's the anti-mentor you want, correct? He's so personable and so charismatic. I mean, he's Bill Murray. You don't need me to read the attributes of Bill Murray, but he looks like he's playing Bill Murray in this, and that's the best version of Bill Murray. Is Bill Murray. Bill yeah. fucking Murray. Yeah. Somebody should put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> Sophia Coppola... I've enjoyed her career. I've seen her in film festivals growing up. Uh, I think that uh, she does really well with less plot. I mean, from the Virgin Suicides to the Marie Antoinette, which was just teenagers just having fun with modern music and period clothing. I probably would like that movie more now than I did then. Anyway, I think that uh, I think that Lost in Translation, you get a lot of vibes from that uh, film in this one. She's Agreed. reuniting with Bill Murray. I'm in for this. I just wonder if it's if it's up her alley because we get a great hook. We get a great hook in this trailer. Is Marlon Wayans cheating on Rashida Jones? Are they, in fact, on the rocks? And can Bill Murray help his daughter come to the grips to the fact that all men are scum or that he was scum and all men are like him? Or what the hell's going on? Yeah, we get the uh, heavy intimation that bill murray was unfaithful to rashida jones's mother and that's why they separated and bill murray wants to spy on marlon jones on Mar- marlon jones on marlon waynes because he's sure marlon waynes is cheating on rashida jones uh, yeah this there's enough here and just those three leads are so likable enough in and of themselves that to have this kind of domestic drama and uh, there's there's certainly an underbelly of comedy here as well this movie seems to have a lot of heart you can just tell from the trailer uh and that's again that's a sweet spot for Bill Murray, if not Rashida Jones, who we've seen uh, have success with that kind of thing from just even her time on The Office. Right. Uh, I just, I'm happy that we get a trailer out of all these action movies where you're selling it on dialogue. Because yeah. there's some really good dialogue, really good lines in this trailer. So I thought that was cool. That should uh, fit well to uh, Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, I think they're, they're in for a movie that's going to have a much broader appeal than we first thought. When I first saw a Sofia Coppola film, in the Apple TV Plus family, I was surprised because she's just made some slow-burning movies and stories that just go nowhere in her career. So I was surprised to see Apple pick it up. But this this feels like an Apple movie. Yeah, I, I agree. And we've talked uh, numerous times about how on the lookout you should be for Apple's burgeoning catalog. And this seems to be something that's going to be a quality addition. So I'm I'm quite excited for it. Anyway, back to the ensemble casts where everybody's in them, Michael. Death on the Nile. 
This is exactly the shit I'm talking about. <laughs> like, how is it possible that Kenneth Branagh and 20th Century Pictures have figured out a Hercule Perot cinematic universe, but DC and Warner Brothers are fumbling themselves over and over? They even line up the visuals of the posters. Kevin Jacobson of uh, Gold Derby and, and the runner-up is that great podcast we love. He was all over this. He just loved the cloud of blood from the ginormous steamboat, the same as the cloud of blood <laughs> it's great. from the Orient Express. I mean, that's so cool. It, he's like, this pleases me. I'm with him. <laughs> I was you, loving that. You could do Hercule Perot from the marketing to what's on screen, yeah. going from one to another. You can't figure out Harley Quinn? I don't know why. I don't know why Warner Brothers is, uh, I guess, this is all Warner Brothers? Yes, I'm blaming them for this. Well, so they got one branch that figured it out. (laughs) No, no, no. This Agatha Christie, Hercule Perot is 20th century, so now it's all all Disney Disney. now. Well, Disney's the king of CDs. Yeah, Disney gets it. All right, right. right, so Disney knows it. Anyway, I'm kind of thrilled that this genre is popular for big, you know, fall movies, for big blockbusters, so I'm just kind of embracing the fact that we get to see another murder mystery on this scale with those cameras and these effects. Uh, I'm just in for that. I'm just yeah. in for that. Uh, you know, a couple times a year, please. Yeah, whodunits are probably my favorite genre, so I I couldn't be thrilled. More thrilled. It's like the the ska band I used to enjoy in the early 1990s for a while. I'm probably get sick of it the more I get it, but <laughs> right now it's really fun. It's been a while, and I haven't heard the boss tones in quite some time. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Macho Man Randy Savage voices. <laughs> Michael Judas and the Black Messiah, the story of Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, and his fateful betrayal by FBI informant William O'Neill, Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, Martin Sheen, and Lil Rel Howery. This trailer, OMFG, the best of the bunch as trailers go in terms Mm -hmm. of the structure and how rousing the speeches were. This was a surprise because I I saw the title. I'm like, that's kind of on the nose for an FBI informant movie about, you know, the head of a black Panther party. I wonder if those were the, uh, the code names. (sighs) I, all right. I I just, I, I, I'm a little worried. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just speculating. Yeah. But this trailer was phenomenal. Those speeches, the repetition of Daniel Kaluuya just screaming it out. And then his delivery is anything but repetitive because he gives a different delivery every time he, he says the same chant. Uh, the inflection of his... I'm thrilled with Daniel Kaluuya because so many times he's like the understated performance. He's got to defer to the other characters and play off of them. Here he is a force of nature. I'm glad... You stuck to breaking down the trailer with everything you just said, because all I'm going to do is uh, fillet we mics here and put us on a pedestal and talk about how great we are and pat ourselves on the back. Daniel Kaluuya <laughs> might have had the performance of his great young career. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. And you're nice. going to pat us. I'm really happy for him. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all sincerity, we said when this movie, when the news of this movie came out and it was casted that, my God, this sounds like a perfect vehicle for Kaluuya to finally break through and get that Oscar that he probably should have gotten or at least been in more contention for a couple years ago with Get Out and with uh, with Widows. And he, he, he deserves more shine. So does Lakeith Stanfield. This all sounds great. This could be an Oscars project. And now we get the first look of it and the first trailer and everybody on film Twitter and all over the social media saying, my God, Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield look great. This looks like it could be an Oscar project 
This looks like something that has awards legs to it, blah, blah, blah. So it's just, look, we tell you all the time, we, we, we have a knack for this sort of thing, and we're going to be wrong sometimes, but there's a lot more times that we're right and knock this out of the park. This looks spectacular, and this looks and is already quacking and sounding much like many other Oscars ducks we've seen. What was it earlier in this episode? I don't even have to go back to, like, a tweet <laughs> from the past or, you know. Talking uh, about how people on Twitter don't need to pat themselves on the back. I'm patting ourselves on the back right now. We're good at this, man. We just say the only thing you just said. I'm putting this on you, all right? Because this is not me. I recognize. Let me qualify this. I don't want to hear other people brag. <laughs> because that's less time they have their to have their ears open to hear me brag. You understand? You just said you don't want people to tell you, tell everybody else, I told you so when Robert Pattinson's good. Oh, my God. The words coming out of your mouth are just oozing. <laughs> literally oozing. If this was... You know, the cheetah character, it would just be <laughs> uh, just so on the nose. Daniel oh Kaluuya goes out of his way to avoid ever speaking to us at any sort of event in the future. Because, yeah, we, we took his great trailer and we completely overshadowed it. He's going to be nominated for an Oscar by the looks shadow. of this. This yeah, looks I, outstanding. You're absolutely right. I'm in. Uh, I'm so in. And uh, I was a little worried with that title, but I think the, the trailer's phenomenal. Like you now. This had a cool title, but I hated the trailer. This I am with you 100%. The devil all the time. Uh, look, I don't like movies that are about religion, especially old-timey religion, especially evangelical Christian religion, because I have religious baggage. Mm -hmm. I have my own demons that I'm wrestling with, or angels or whatever. That's number one. Number two is Antonio Campos <laughs> made one of the worst short films <laughs> of that bunch Netflix homemade in the worst position possible to the point where I was going to call Andrew. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I stopped at number eight. I can't watch another short film if this is what we're getting. So if not for this cast, Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Riley Keough, Mia Wasikowska, Sebastian Stan, Bill Skarsgård, Haley Bennett, Eliza Scanlon, if not for this cast, I'd be extremely reluctant to hit play on The Devil all the time. Yeah, loaded, loaded cast with talent. I agree, but I'm with you. The trailer was kind of a letdown. It's interesting to see Robert Pattinson He's getting a lot of shine in 2020. Maybe he can have the type of year Adam Driver had last year, but Robert Pattinson playing, you know, this this suave businessman in the Tenant trailer and playing Batman in the Batman trailer. Yeah. And he was playing this kind of sleazy preacher Ugh. who can't be trusted in this trailer. So He it's... can't be trusted around a plate of food. You <laughs> stick your finger into a plate of food like that and then lick your finger. Are you kidding me? So uh, what I'm saying, it, like, there's there is reason, despite how we felt about this trailer. There's reason to be intrigued by this. It's nice to see Jason Clark is back up to his usual creepy bad guy stuff as well. Being a weird photographer or he, he, he's a murderer. Let's just cut to the chase. He's going to end up killing women in this movie is what There's it looks like. People pouring spiders onto themselves, just hanging yeah. themselves. It like the war flashbacks for Bill Skarsgård, pushing guys' heads in the dirt. Mike, the devil all the time seems like mudbound without anybody to root for. Yeah, I was gonna say Angel Heart without the uh, the voodoo, maybe. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's the type of movie you're getting with this. I also saw a young Tim Robbins like three times with different cast members in this. Like Tom Holland kind of looks like him. Robert Pattinson looks like him. Right. Scene. Bill Skarsgård. I don't know if that means anything or if I just continue my legacy of not having good eyesight so 
Well, Take that perception. Your good perception, like because a lot of movies are the you know Angel Heart without the voodoo. I mean, the voodoo is that movie. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, fair, I'm, fair. I'm quibbling like crazy with you. Let's see if we'll quibble at this next one. Let him go. This is Diane Lane. This is Kevin Costner and Michael. I am so glad that the industry is finally capitalizing on how scary Leslie Manville from Phantom Thread can truly be. I was going to make a joke about how this seems like it's in the same (laughs) cinematic universe as the devil all the time. By the way, they start in these wide open fields and the placement and all that. But this trailer absolutely captivated me because of Leslie Manville, because of anytime Diane Lane's in any trailer and she gives that concern and that, that stern look on her face, my want to see the movie goes up like tenfold. I I absolutely want to see it. And I, we've just talked when we had our episode with swell last week or the week before, I'm not the biggest Kevin Costner guy in the world. This one looks very, very interesting to me. It's, it's got the heart of it is, this couple, Kevin Costner and Diane Lane, their daughter marries somebody attached to this family who is notorious in town, and they've pretty much, it seemed, kidnapped, or at least is withholding their daughter and their grandchild. And it's an abusive relationship, and Kevin Costner and Diane Lane want answers. It's got a, a, a very... A very Ozarky type feel in a way to me, but I, I love this trailer. Kevin Costner, Diane Lane... They, they seem like wholesome Americans at this stages of their career. I mean, Kevin Costner's even that 90s movie star, right, where he's in all those westerns and he's usually on a quest that has to get a little violent to still justify the means, right? The ends mm-hmm. have to justify the means. That's every movie Kevin Costner does, this right. righteous quest to, 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 to get rid of some evil. And as two grandparents, they're underdogs going against this inbred crazy family with the matriarch as formidable as Leslie Manville. So I'm, I'm all in. Uh, here's what I will say, though, just as a criticism. <laughs> you could have a movie based in the plains and in the South and in like these small communities, you could have a movies with minorities in the cast still. Like, yeah, you <laughs> they don't all have to be white. Just throwing that out there, which they are in these last two, which share the same kind of backdrop and setting for their films. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. not, uh, it's all white people in the yeah. trailers. Just but wanted again, to throw that out there. All the white people are assholes though. Like even the good ones. So, <laughs> That just doesn't help anybody. There is that, but yeah, sure. (laughs) Mike, speaking of white assholes, we have (laughs) Eternal Beauty. (laughs) How do you like my transitioning today? Well, it works because I learned from this trailer (laughs) that Sally Hawkins and I are diametric opposites in terms of what cinema is and should be, and we are forever destined to dance this dance. She and David Thewlis, who's got a name is as weird as some of his roles. David Thewlis. <laughs> they have played some eclectic characters, these two. Yeah, that's a <laughs> word. them to be matched up is, is perfect, though, right? I mean, if this is one of those middle-aged love stories that actually plays more like a Hallmark movie that we, you know, that we wouldn't expect. Like, I'm totally in for this. But if this movie is as depressing as its characters are, I'm terrified by this. There's nothing in this world right now Mm. that could motivate me to actually desire to see this movie. (laughs) If this gets nominated, I will watch it and I will review it and I will be fair, as I always strive to be. This movie, I don't know 
I, sure, it it's going to exist, so it doesn't matter what I say about it. I there, I, I, I I'm not. It doesn't appeal to me. I'm trying to be scenes, nice. <laughs> there are scenes that in a normal movie, in a normal trailer, never mind story, like we didn't even see this whole thing, that seem like hallucinations, but like a David Lynch TV show, you know they are not hallucinations, and therefore these characters are reckoning with them. So that's just bizarre. How many goddamn will-they-won't-they relationships do I have to sit through and entertain? Every movie, though. <laughs> but look, you got Morphid Clark from St. Maud. She's going to be the wrench in that. So hopefully she's having a year. Hopefully she comes out as the character from St. Maud and ruins <laughs> this relationship. You want the relationship to be ruined? I'm thinking that they, the only way to save this weird-ass movie is for them to get together and be weird together. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I'm being a dick. I'm sure this movie's going to be lovely. I, I have nothing against Sally Hawkins. She's a wonderful entertainer. We know it. All right. Well, mm-hmm. those were the trailers <laughs> that we had missed over the last couple of weeks. And the, the biggest headlines, obviously, coming out of DC Fandome. But sincerely, uh, jokes aside, I think we have a couple Oscar possibilities. And I think we have yeah. a couple categories that, despite how 2020 has started shaping up, uh, are going to give us decent, deep categories and a decent number of nominees. And it, it's it's heartening to see that we're getting back to some sort of film analysis and award season analysis that can suggest a type of normalcy. So that's cool to see. But we do want to hear from you. Which of these trailers do you think hold the most Oscar nominations with them when all the dust settles on film year 2020? Or are there things that we were up on that you're down on and vice versa? I want to hear those as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those as always. We are Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike and Oscar on Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you are still in quarantine or still getting back to your routine or commuting with us, we cannot thank you enough. Uh, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, if you would be so kind as to go into the app and leave us a five-star review, that would be truly helpful to us. Michael, what are some words of wisdom and what is coming next from MMO? The words of wisdom is like a Captain Obvious word word, word of wisdom here in that uh, if you're going to reopen movie theaters, you know, like around the world, make sure you put out a million trailers. So that's just like <laughs> obvious. They probably should have done it a week or two earlier than they actually did. But uh, I'm really glad to see normal business taking place again before yeah. the world reshuts down after COVID just sparks because of movie theaters. And we yeah. all get it. Yeah, that's where I thought you were going. If you're going to reopen movie theaters, be clean and safe, please. Please. Yeah, that's probably wiser, but I I went the other route and be oblivious because I'm going to go to the movies a lot and try not to think about it. Oh, I hope I, I hope the hazmat suit comes in the way I want it to because it's only $40 on Amazon. Oh, you've Is actually gonna... researched this. Yeah. Like I'm like almost ordering it. Should I order it? I'm like, I'm half joking when I tell you like, well, let's ham it up. No, I want to wear a hazmat suit to the movies because I'm afraid. Yeah. I don't blame you. I I can't, I won't be near people. I can't. That's why I hope my podunk opens and I hope nobody knows about it, but me as is usually the case when it comes to that. But I I can't be near people when I'm going to see these. I'm still very, very much afraid. Risk falling ill to a global pandemic or actually go to Mike's shitty ass theater. What are my choices? Mike, what's coming next is that we're going to do Quantum of Solace, which I enjoyed the hell out of yesterday for the James Bond character study. And then we got a lot of movies to review as we've been talking about. Ton, yeah. ton of stuff. 
Content keeps on rolling in, guys. When reality sucks, you can come watch these movies and hang out with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya.